0: You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast. An independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 286. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckman. See us talk. Hello! Hey Hey, nice son. Okay, we're back no one's missing
1: <laughs> yeah not, not yet
0: not yet it's early yet though we may lose someone before the night is over yeah, it's soon i'll be on my way again
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh how are you guys good excellent yeah couldn't be better okay nice good weather in both of your countries
2: Yes, yeah. It was raining today, but not as much as it used to do a few weeks ago. So. <laughs> <No>. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. That's good. <laughs> yeah. No floods.
2: No floods so far.
1: no. Oh, yeah. well, we have a, a nice summer weather. It's not it's not bad. It's not bad at all. We don't mind when it gets a little bit warmer here in Sweden mm. during
0: vacation, at least. Yeah, for, for, uh, in the last couple of days over the weekend, it was the first time since the beginning of summer that. The temperatures went below 20 oh. in the evening. <laughs> but it was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. I loved every single moment of it. <laughs> but you know where I wouldn't be at the moment? Sicily. Oh,
2: yeah, or Greece or Turkey.
0: I wouldn't yeah. want to be there. Oh, Greece, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Or Turkey either. So the south of Europe seems to be in deep trouble. And we all know why that is happening. Actually, um, I just read an expert opinion about that, which says... Someone calculated what the probability of all this happening uh, due to natural causes is, Mm -hmm. and it's less than 1%. So it seems like it's definitely happening because of our misdeeds in the past and the continuing emission of... Current misdeeds, yes. Greenhouse gases causing global warming and uh, acceleration of that
2: yeah and you can also see the extremes like that exactly here literally people are drowning and a few thousand kilometers south everything's burning and on fire it's just like the contrasts are baffling
0: exactly and and last week we were talking about uh, how the models are not accurate enough and all that stuff but they don't have to be super accurate to be able to predict what's going on and it's not rocket science to deduct these from the fact that the atmosphere is gaining much more energy than it used to have so the energy is all trapped inside the atmosphere yeah, as opposed to just leaving it without that much greenhouse effect going on and uh, that translates into all these large energy meteorological events Mm. and there we go happy times yeah but apparently governments instead of dealing with this they are dealing with uh, political issues and most of them especially the more authoritarian ones they instead uh, want to put people under surveillance so that they can keep their eyes on them uh, for political reasons so of course i'm referring to The Pegasus. What is it? It's not a conspiracy, but it's it's definitely a scandal. (laughs) Yes. So currently, we are talking about 50,000 phone numbers that were leaked on the list of potential people under surveillance, Mm. and... There is a large international cooperation at the moment going on, which is called the Pegasus Project. And it's really a massive uh, investigative journalism effort, which was joined by Amnesty International as well. And apparently, they identified a lot of the clients of this uh, Israeli company that was providing this spyware. And it's, it's called NSO Group. And. Among the clients, there are several, well, let me just say that rather authoritarian regimes across the world. Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, and... (laughs) Hungary! Hungary. (laughs) (laughs) Of course.
2: We knew that this would be like the cherry on top.
0: (laughs) The cherry on top. And 300 Hungarian numbers were on the list. And... uh, Obviously, the Hungarian government was identified as one being among the the clients and amnesty international did uh further investigation into uh some handheld devices and uh there have been a few identified as being affected where the software itself Pegasus that's the name of the software was already on the phone that doesn't necessarily mean that it has been used but some of them have definitely been used so that means that the data transfers have already happened Uh, we're talking about uh, the remote turning on the microphones and uh, catching messages and phone calls and all that but what really pisses me off about all this obviously Macron is one of the the highest profile people included on the list and uh, obviously, he's pissed off big time. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's now having talks with uh, the Israeli government and all that. But the cynicism of the Hungarian government is what really bugs me. Because they claim they didn't do anything unlawful. Technically, they might even be correct. <laughs> because, well, the Hungarian law provides that in cases of potential national security breach government intelligence services can actually put people under surveillance without any judicial oversight so no need for that the signature of the minister of justice is enough Mm. obviously the minister of justice says that uh, at first she said that there was no such thing going on and then later she said that everything that happened was according to the law but mind you they are the ones writing the laws since twenty ten, when they gained an overwhelming majority in parliament, so they could d- write anything. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's always a problem, <laughs> of course, when when the ones who are employing this rule about national security is also the ones that are defining what a, a national security issue might be, because then they can do whatever they want to. Exactly. What well, when there are checks and balances at place in a normal
0: democratic system obviously there is an oversight of what the government can do of course not in my country <laughs> and well we are talking about journalists opposition political figures and and all that so uh, even some people from the government side <laughs> so mm. trust is the issue here I'm afraid. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's going on. I think we'll be hearing a lot in the news about
1: this in the coming month. I'm, I'm sure it's just the beginning. Yeah, it is. I'm pissed off on Apple actually because they've been telling us for so long that their their phones are so secure, and then it turns out that they're just as vulnerable as anything else. Well, yes. Well, it doesn't
0: necessarily mean that what they say is not true about their phones being potentially more reliable in that regard. But yeah. When there is a specific software doing exactly that, (laughs) I mean, what can you do about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway. I need some malware, so. Right. Hey, uh, Andras, you mentioned rocket science before. So do you still want to go into space? Of course. Yeah, okay. I would probably die, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, you would probably. That's what I have (laughs) to tell you, because it doesn't seem very safe to me. There was a, a new module attached to the ISS last week. So a Russian thing, okay, pretty big as I understand it. It had a lab and crew quarters and a new docking port and an airlock and things. It's called nauka or something like that. It means science in Russian, apparently. And uh, not only at one point was it on the wrong course on its way to the ISS. They almost lost it. They had to fire some extra thrusters to get it to the right place. But when they actually had attached it, it suddenly started to fire its thrusters again. Which turned the whole ISS uh, over 45 degrees in the wrong direction. Imagine that happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when exactly. you were on board, I mean, I mean, the ISS. Oh my god. Fucking yeah. hell! That that must have been really terrifying to be there. <laughs> but but you know, I, I have a little bit surprise for you because luckily this is the internet age, so I managed to get hold of the actual NASA communication with the ISS so we can tell exactly what's, what happened. So so here he comes. Houston the ISS, do you copy? We detected unscheduled fire of the thrusters. Please report, over. Maurice, <laughs> your fire of thrusters again? I told you not to touch that button. <laughs> I touch nothing, Vladimir. I'm just sitting here eating my bush blini. <laughs> this is Houston. Do you need assistance? Over. Bodies. okay, okay, I'll fix it. Pass screwdriver. <laughs> A big one. <laughs> <laughs> nice catch, Pontus. <laughs> Very happy to uh, be able to use the dark web to, to find these things nowadays. Mm. <laughs> All right. So I, I would think twice, uh, Andras, before you agree to go. Uh, maybe at least, maybe you shouldn't go with the Russian rockets go with the 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 other ones your favorite ones the yeah spacex
0: anytime all right (laughs) now there's virgin galactic uh well not so much space but still i consider it safer than flying russian (laughs) (laughs) never mind good job
2: (laughs) i don't even want to go to space i just want to use like spacex to get to australia faster
0: That would be good. Oh, you don't necessarily need SpaceX for that. Not necessarily. You could probably use uh, Virgin Galactic at some point
2: Yeah. It, for that
0: purpose.
1: It
2: would just be so cool to just travel up for like half an hour or 40 minutes and then just travel down for half an hour or 30 mm-hmm. minutes and then mm-hmm. you're in Australia. How cool would that be?
1: That would be great. <laughs> and then have Richard Saunders greeting you there and Maynard and all of those guys.
2: Yes. <laughs> would be nice. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. All right. Guys, shall we
0: do the rest of the show? I mean, the regular stuff.
1: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, I'll, let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: And of course, as usual, we will start with something with relevance to this week in Skepticism.
2: Yeah, and this week, uh, we celebrate the birthday of my teen Yen Kim who was born on the 7th of August 1987 in Heppenheim, that's in Hesse, so in Germany.
0: In Germany, yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) In the federal country that's around Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. She's a German science communicator, chemist, TV presenter and YouTuber. And I talked about her on the show before because she got the German Order of Merit last year, Mm -hmm. the Federal Cross of Merit. Mm -hmm. Her parents are from South Vietnam and she studied at Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She worked on her PhD at Harvard in Potsdam and in Aachen. And she started The Secret Life of Scientists in 2015, that's a YouTube channel, and she started schön schlau which means like it's it's a pun it means like very smart and it also means like beautiful smart Oh,
0: beautiful smart yeah B-
2: beautiful but it uh, can also you can also just use it as pretty in a way of like quite quite smart like
0: okay so you can make use of it in both senses
2: yeah exactly okay and she um, opened that up in 2016 but then later renamed it to my lab which is also of course, a pun on her name and then also my, like mine. <laughs> ah, yeah. During the COVID pandemic, um, her videos had millions of viewers um, because she was explaining a lot of things very well. <laughs> um, she's also a book author and a presenter of the TV show Quarks on TV. And she has several awards like the Grimmer um, Prize in um, this year and as I already said, the Federal Cross of Merit last year. Um, She also got elected into the Senate of Max Planck Society um, last June, so June 2020. She's, um, I would say, like a very prolific or one of like the prolific science communicator in Germany right now. Um, So yeah, happy birthday, mighty. Yeah,
0: happy birthday. Mm And a very good job educating the public yes. about all that science.
2: Yeah, and and she's doing that so well because she doesn't underestimate people. She is telling them like complicated stuff, but she's explaining it well. And she's not like, oh, mm-hmm. they won't understand. Like she's not patronizing in any kind of way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's a skill. Yes. We so much need science people who can communicate well. Yes, yeah, uh, that is
0: so rare, yes. actually. Yeah. And I don't want to sound very shallow, but uh, she's she's also very good to look at. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I don't blame her for, for naming her show at the beginning uh, with that specific name. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I asked you back whether it could really be used for both senses.
2: Yeah, it can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I
0: wonder how much that matters with
1: reaching young audiences
2: to be pretty
0: to look good (laughs) yeah yeah
2: i think it does matter
1: yeah yeah i I think it does matter unfortunately in any discipline if you want to reach out people are shallow like you andras and they (laughs) look at people who look good that's unfortunate but true
2: yeah there are even studies of like that people who look very well that they are usually a bit less proficient in things because uh, people will always want to help them and al- it's always easier for them.
0: Mm. Mm, interesting. So, okay.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's definitely okay. important yeah. to... Or it, it doesn't hurt,
0: <laughs> at least. Yeah, especially in the age of TikTok and Instagram where everyone just wants to be pretty and wants, wants to look pretty and people are being followed based on only their looks yeah that's interesting arguably it could be different for for people spreading the word of science because uh that requires a certain level of interest in these topics but science popularization is a different thing it's not necessarily aimed at people who already know their science
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's also like in, in our time, famous people usually have to be the package, yeah. like the whole mm-hmm. package. If, yeah. Because for example if Maya would have a very shitty voice <laughs> for example. You're yeah, like that. Yeah, she couldn't narrate her own videos, you know. That's right. So it's like you have to be a whole package and Mm -hmm. that's not easy to to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, It also explains why we chose an audio-only medium to to reach out.
2: Yeah, now you know people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's not because of Annika, it's because of the two of us. Yeah, that's true, that's true. (laughs) yeah so happy birthday <laughs> that i still have to deal with the fact that i won't make it as a youtuber <laughs> <laughs> but happy birthday mai and uh, congratulations on all the accounts of, of you winning those great prizes and all that esteem that surrounds you i wonder if we'll be able to meet her at some point hopefully yeah one of the skeptical conferences
2: that would be cool Perhaps.
0: Yeah, wouldn't it? It
2: might be that she, like her payroll might be a bit too high for <laughs> some skeptics right oh, you Bob? think? Mm, okay. Maybe, I don't know.
0: That means that we won't have her on the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> we can always try, yeah.
2: We can be optimistic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks very much, Annika. Thank you. And I'm wondering if we have something to poke the Pope for today.
1: The Pope is taking it slow at the moment, and the speculation is that he's taking it a bit uh, relaxed, so after his surgery last month. Mm. Also in italy right now it's vacation time and it also affects the activity in the vatican of course not just in italy so i think we'll uh, give him a rest uh, uh, for the time being and see what he comes up with in the future sounds good okay Mm -hmm. that means we are moving on to the covid update that we haven't had
0: for a while Well, yeah, we will have a couple of COVID-related news items as well, but I just wanted to mention uh, something that... Listen and Bob drew our attention to yeah bob should be named our special correspondent as at this point <laughs> he's pretty much that from spain yeah bob uh, sent a couple of articles our way about spain and how spain is currently the country with the greatest proportion of the population having been vaccinated twice among the 50 most populous countries of the world which is absolutely amazing there are A little bit ahead of the United Kingdom, (laughs) just a little bit, a couple of percent, because when it comes to overall vaccinations, the United Kingdom is ahead of them. But uh, Spain has more people with uh, double shots already. And the country with the largest number of uh, overall vaccinations, but it's a small, teeny tiny country, is Malta followed by Iceland, also a not very populous country, Denmark, Belgium, Portugal. So these are all in the close to 70 range when it comes to the percentage of people having been vaccinated at least once. You know which country has the greatest proportion of double vaccination compared to the overall number of vaccinations? Hmm. No. No. (laughs) Haha, it's Hungary.
1: Oh, right.
0: (laughs) But this only shows one thing, Mm -hmm. that we've
1: already reached the number of people who are willing to vaccinate. That's right. Wow. Of course, yes, because you're not vaccinating any new people. You're just administering the second one to the ones that already agreed to do it. Exactly.
0: There are already talks of people getting vaccinated for the third time, Mm. and especially with uh, those who have the Sinopharm vaccine, because in the over 60 age range, it looks like Sinopharm doesn't really provide that much of a protection, Mm. which is... Well, I, I don't know what to say to that, <laughs> because the government was pushing the Sinopharm vaccine. So this is how we reached that level of vaccination uh, in proportion to the overall population. But now it's stopped because there are no people left who want to vaccinate. Wow! And that's because of all the misinformation and all the distrust towards uh, the government. So people don't know what to think. And apparently, and uh, thanks to Bob for the articles that he sent over in Spain, the overall trust in vaccinations is very high, so the reason why they haven't reached seventy percent of the population which they tend to reach by the end of august i we're talking about the full pattern of vaccinations, of course, is only because of logistical reasons, so it's not because people don't want to get vaccinated it's because They haven't had the doses ready before to reach that. And that's amazing. That means that the government had probably started early enough with spreading the proper information about vaccinations and about the COVID-19. And that really plays well in the long run. And that's what we should have seen in every country. But there are other countries as well who are suffering from all that misinformation spreading and the distrust in the wake of it but there are other countries where there are very high levels of vaccination. so like portugal 52 percent of the population the, the the overall population has been fully vaccinated italy is doing very well sweden it looks like sweden has a different approach mm-hmm. that it's more important apparently to vaccinate everyone at least once than to rush through the whole population with the double vaccination.
1: It, it's changing a little bit now because there was a shortage of vaccines earlier Okay, but that's mm-hmm. no longer the case so now that's good. I think we're catching up on the second doses as well and there's even talk about mm-hmm. uh, a third dose even if nothing has been uh, decided yet and it will probably won't be this year but it's probably coming for, for at least for some categories of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also now they are... Uh, Uh, vaccinating younger people so uh, 16 years and older and also in some regions even 12 years Mm -hmm. and older yeah and in
0: many many of these countries that i i mentioned the population over 80 has already been fully vaccinated which is the most important part which brings me to another thing that I, I wanted to talk about. And that is the sentiment that's currently spreading, which is that it doesn't make any difference because now more vaccinated than unvaccinated people are falling ill mm. and dying from coronavirus, which is true. But the reason for that is because we're talking about the elderly population. And the more people are vaccinated, the more we will see how it's not a 100% protection that the vaccination provides you with. Mm. right? Mm. So people over 70 or 80, they are at a much greater risk from COVID-19 than anyone, even unvaccinated people, who are like 30 or 35, Mm. right? So we need to keep that in mind as well when we try to assess the situation.
1: Right. And people are not good at math. So so if you compare a very big group of the population, all that have they're the ones that have been vaccinated Yeah. with a very, very small group that has not been vaccinated. Then, of course, the bigger group will have more cases in absolute numbers because they are 98, 99% of the total population. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, that the vaccines doesn't
0: work. Exactly. That's the message. It doesn't mean that vaccines don't work. They do work. And the numbers are going down that we do see. But there is another thing that we have to mention. That currently, all over Europe, it seems like the most prevalent variant of uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is unfortunately the Delta variant. Mm. And some experts refer to it as being so contagious that it compares to chickenpox when it comes to how contagious it is. And that is scary, because even if it doesn't lead to a more severe disease, it still means that people will spread it more easily. And that means that if people can catch it, because even from uh, falling ill, the COVID-19 vaccines will not protect you 100%, that means that
1: more people will be vulnerable to that small effect that we see. Yeah, and it means uh, that the variant will live in the population longer, which means it also has better chances of... Opportunities of developing into the whatever uh, variant that will be even worse. Exactly.
0: And um, it sounds very alarmist, but it is true that sooner or later, there might be new variants coming up that are actually resistant to the vaccines. And then we're all screwed. Because if, if they spread more easily and they're resistant... Then the whole thing starts from scratch. <laughs> and, <Yoo-hoo>. <laughs> 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 so people, please
2: Yeah, and we're in summer right now, you know? <laughs> it's like it can only get better, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. To everyone out there who hasn't been vaccinated, please do the sensible thing and, and get your shots as soon as you can. Because now against the Delta variant, there is a, a lowered level of efficacy, but it still works. It still protects you to a large extent. So do it and on that very very positive note we are ready to move on to the news
2: yeah
1: <laughs> all right speaking of vaccinations do you remember there are other diseases as well nah. N- no no <laughs> we have almost forgotten
2: no it's there's only COVID in the in the humankind anymore
1: right we can only focus on one thing at a time right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so right. a few years ago this show, we brought up the subject of measles almost on a a monthly basis. Starting in, I think, December of 2016 or so, there was a huge measles outbreak globally, and also in Europe, of course. And we monitored it very closely. We haven't talked about it for a long time now because we've had other things to talk about. And um, as COVID came along, the measles epidemic virtually seemed to disappear, Mm -hmm. at least from the news. (laughs) But I think it's worthwhile to to look into what really happened and what the situation is today. So first of all, has the measles epidemic disappeared? Well, the short answer is yes, at least for now. Because in 2020, probably as an effect of the the COVID lockdown measures, etc., the number of cases worldwide dropped by 83% compared to 2019. So that's a lot. Hmm. And that's from 873,000 cases down to 151,000 cases. So it's still uh, about 150,000 cases in the world in in 2020. But as I said, it's a drop of, of, of 83%. Uh, the European region, as it's defined by the WHO, which includes not just the UK, which we have not really gotten uh, familiar with uh, yet that it doesn't belong to Europe, but anyway. uh, But it also includes Switzerland, of course, and and then also Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, and and others in what I would call proper Europe, if you think geographically, but it also contains Israel, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, etc. And uh, if you take all of that region, uh, the drop was even bigger. It was 90%. Looking only at the EU, the drop was 87%. And in EU, we had 1,763 cases last year of of the measles. it's, It's a huge improvement. You can say it actually almost has disappeared. So there's nothing bad like the covid pandemic that doesn't have something positive covid for all its horribleness at least saved us from the measles right yay <laughs> wrong it didn't <laughs> because the pandemic didn't just stop the measles epidemic it also was a major blow to the measles vaccination efforts mm-hmm So we know that measles is probably the most contagious disease there is. I I don't have the science behind that, but it is extremely contagious. The accepted wisdom is that you need to have a vaccination rate of about 95% or above to keep measles under control in a population. That's the so-called herd immunity. Anything below that, anything below 95%, means that it continues to be a big problem for the community. There's a report from WHO that was released on 15th of July, and it shows that the measles vaccination rate worldwide fell from an already too low vaccination rate of 81.5% in 2019 to 77.5% in 2020. So right now in the world, we're just above 77% when we want to be at 95%. And this is having two doses. What you need to have is two doses. And this means, of course, as soon as the COVID restrictions are removed and we can move around again in society, measles will have a field day and will come back with a vengeance. In, in the EU, the trend is the same even if it's a little bit better here. In 2020, we are now at 90% instead of previously 91%. But the trend is down. And uh, please remember, we should be at 95%. And uh, if we want to look a little bit into uh, some countries, uh, I'm happy to say that Sweden is at 95%. And it's it's pretty stable. I think uh, Hungary is doing. Fairly well. I don't have the numbers for 2020, but since the vaccinations, I believe, are mandatory, uh, right, in in Hungary. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. uh, Hungary leads the EU list by 99% in 2019. So I think it's still pretty good. Wow. But there are other countries that are not doing so very well. Bulgaria, for instance, dropped from 95% to 84%. And, and there are others that are, are doing the same, showing the, the wrong direction, uh, like uh, Lithuania, like um, Estonia, they're all going in the wrong direction. So we're not out of the woods yet, to say the least. And when we get out of the pandemic, or we should start already now, but I, it's very hard to, to get focus on that. But we really need to start the vaccination efforts again against the measles and pick up. There are some countries that are very, very low, like below 50% and that's almost nothing. Yeah.
2: Did you know that I had the measles as a baby?
1: Oh, you did? I think I had it too, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure.
2: Because of anti-vax people, actually. <laughs>
0: Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um even when I was a kid we had it as a mandatory vaccination so it's
2: We did too but I was too young to get vaccinated mm-hmm. against that because you in Germany you'd only get vaccinated around a year and mm-hmm. um, the MMR vaccine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah some acquaintances of acquaintances of friends like of four corners or so they were anti-vax and and the children had measles and they didn't tell anybody. Oh, shame. And yeah I got the measles as a few months old. Mm-hmm. I was just lucky Mm -hmm.
1: okay so it wasn't because of your parents it was because of some other idiot
2: it was was of some idiots yeah my parents were livid when they found out that that this kid had the measles and they didn't tell anybody and still went to like i think at a birthday party or so Mm -hmm. this was just like not funny but i was just lucky that i didn't get any nothing state yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. because well of course we had it rough Mm. when i was a kid uh, <laughs> growing up in the late 60s, early 70s, I don't think that measles uh, w- vaccines were distributed to everybody at the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I remember there were talks about, in positive terms, there were talks about having measles parties and stuff when I grew up. Oh, yeah. And I had a, a lot of the childhood diseases. I remember having the mumps, I, I rubella. I had chicken pox, I do believe I had the measles as well, I don't remember, I don't recall.
2: Yeah, I had chicken pox too, and scarlet fever, like, a few times.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think scarlet fever I had that as well, I,
0: I know. I, I know that we didn't get a combined vaccine, so we were vaccinated against measles. Not against, I think, also rubella, but not mumps. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember having contracted mumps, but my little sister did. So that's for sure in the, at the end of the, the 1980s. But back then, what wasn't mandatory was the
1: chickenpox vaccine, which yeah. is now, I believe, uh-huh. uh, here in, in my country. It's just become part of the regular program here in Sweden. I don't know what mm. why, why it took so long, but just two years ago or something. So my three... Children all had mm-hmm. chickenpox mm. at different stages when they grew up. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and it can can be scarring quite literally. Like it's just like
1: yeah, yeah, and and I I'm so angry because even when they were small. There was yeah. the vaccine. We just didn't yeah. know about it okay. it wasn't part of the program. Yeah, yeah. But there are still people holding chickenpox
0: parties.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm
0: sure there are. Which should not be happening either. Huh. Oh, but uh, going back to the original topic, I, I find it absolutely fascinating that how well the drop in the numbers of different infections, like bacterial and viral infections, as well, like influenza, chickenpox, even dengue fever and malaria. Mm yeah were lowered because people were inside not being beaten by uh, all those mosquitoes not spreading through the mosquitoes so that shows exactly how these diseases are transmitted right that you
1: have to be in the vicinity of other people. <laughs> yeah, and, and it <laughs> shows votes. that that these measures, the lockdown restrictions, they, they work. They work, they do work. Uh, you can't say that about COVID easily because you can't compare with the previous year because it wasn't there was no COVID the, the year before. Yeah. But you can look at all the other diseases and you see
0: that it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it somewhere where that one thing that did go up was a tick-borne encephalitis. Mm-hmm. Because people are out in... The yeah, because bushes. people were going out in the bush, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So> like, wow. <laughs> and that was the result. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Amazing, makes it? Sense. And all the respiratory diseases are coming back as well as restrictions are being lifted. Mm. Obviously, as more people spend time with each other, that happens, and uh, some of them are very serious. I mean, there's there's a, uh, one that's called RSV. Mm-hmm. It affects mostly children, yes. very small children either, even. And uh, that is some serious stuff that leads easily to hospitalizations of these little children as young as two months old. So, uh, one thing that I really wish is for this whole pandemic situation to lead to people being much, much more cautious and much more thoughtful about their ways. But uh, I'm skeptical.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think to some extent it will happen because, I mean, despite what you may think after listening to our show here a lot of people are sensible and they do understand Okay, it's just that little minority that, that sabotages it all for the rest of us yeah
2: well that's, it's like the problem is if you put a tin of perfume in a bucket full of poop then it will be poop <laughs> if you put a little bit of poop in a little bottle of perfume it will still spoil the perfume
1: okay <laughs> don't try this at home folks it's just a metaphor uh, okay
2: <laughs> my <laughs> metaphor is that even a small minority can fuck things up that's
0: true that's oh, okay true. okay yeah 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 you're right <laughs> Okay, talking about a small but very loud and unspoken minority who spreads misinformation. I've got good news from Hungary. There is this one idiot uh, by the name of Red Porch, who's a doctor. He's uh, holding a medical degree and uh, has been the president of the Havish County part of the Hungarian Medical Chamber. However, he's been spreading misinformation and all the nonsense about COVID-19, claiming that it's not a thing, that uh, people should not be vaccinated. And recently, he spoke up against uh, mandatory vaccinations when the government decided to make it mandatory for healthcare workers, which it wasn't before. Mm. That's the surprising part, I think. (laughs) But um, this was the last straw and the hungarian medical chamber decided to suspend him for half a year i was i wondered when you were going to get to the good news (laughs) yeah so uh that means that he cannot practice medicine uh for half a year until he's reinstated And if he goes on spreading his nonsense and basically going against everything that the Hungarian Medical Chamber stands for in terms of uh, public health issues, then he risks permanently losing his membership. And that means permanently losing his ability to practice medicine. I mean, not the ability, but the license to practice medicine. <laughs> yeah. But I have to tell you that this guy is absolutely amazing. The guy is a proponent of like old Hungarian sh- shamanism as well. Ooh. So all that <laughs> crazy stuff. And when he gives a talk, he's always started with some old Hungarian prayers a bunch of them at the beginning and a bunch of them at the end of the session and then the way he speaks about all these issues is not based in any kind of factual information at all so he doesn't care how much of what he says is factual he believes deeply in all that shit and uh this is why the medical chamber decided that enough is enough and uh, we have to do something about it and i think it's it was about time So well done.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And something that should be well done but isn't (laughs) is that there's actually, there was a big study um, about how well social media giants um, will take action against racists. So what they found out is that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok failed to act despite reported anti-Jewish posts. Um, There was a systematic failure actually to tackle anti-Semitism and racism The researchers from the Center for Countering Digital Hate, CCDH, flagged hundreds of anti-Semitic posts, and they failed to act on 84% of these posts that were spreading anti-Jewish hatred and propaganda. So that was Nazi, neo-Nazi, and white supremacist content. In total, they found 714 posts that clearly violated the policies. And fewer than six got removed. Hmm. They were particularly poor at acting on anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and Holocaust denial, Mm -hmm. which doesn't surprise us, I think. (laughs) Facebook here was the worst offender. Um, They only acted on 10.9% of um, the reported posts. Twitter acted on 11%, so it's not that much better. (laughs) YouTube and Instagram and TikTok were a bit better. Instagram and TikTok um, removed about 18% of the reflect posts and YouTube removed 21%. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, I, as I thought, the report is very aptly named because they named the, the report or the study, the named Failure to Protect, which is very true. And they also said that it's not about algorithms because even when they alerted human moderators, they didn't react. So it's not about AIs that don't have the the right um, program for that. Hmm. So what can everything be summed up under is that the internet or social media are becoming unsafe for Jewish people, but also for women, black people, Muslims, LGBTQIA+, fat people, everyone, everything that's a minority will and can be targeted and then tiktok youtube twitter and facebook of course got contacted and they all said they want to improve but yeah we'll we'll keep you updated on how how well they'll improve
0: (laughs) it's always what they say don't they yeah we want to
1: improve our our system well what 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 can they say they can't say really we don't care
2: yeah but it's pretty much what they're saying
1: who gives a fuck even if they don't they can't (laughs) say that
2: yeah they can't say like oh we actually endorse anti-semitism come on
0: because it generates a lot of traffic
2: (laughs) yeah they can't say that and
0: that's what we need exactly yeah that's what we need (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah all right so um from hate speech to something that is also uh, Also a massive (laughs) issue and uh, we are in deep shit, yes. <laughs> and uh, that is with uh, all the water reserves of the world. Well, you know that when, when we're talking about freshwater reserves, we're mostly referring to massive chunks of ice. Where do we find them? On Antarctica and on Greenland. Both of them are covered uh, with an enormous ice sheet. And uh, apparently the Northern Hemisphere has uh, seen such a warm summer this time that uh, temperatures above uh, the north of Greenland have reached over 20 degrees Celsius, which is twice the summer average for that area. Great. And as a result, since uh, July the 27th, roughly 8.5 billion metric tons of ice
1: has been lost per day from the surface. Oh, wow. How much is that, Anders? How, how can we get a grip on how much that is? It is Well, I
0: don't think that they referred to that day, because the average is just one thing. Hmm. But there was a day when we are talking about 22 billion metric tons of loss. That was reported by the University of Liège uh, in Belgium. And uh, climate scientist Xavier Fettweis said that that amount of water could cover the whole of Florida in five centimeters of water. So uh that's a pretty large amount of water mm. that left Greenland and ended up in the ocean and it's happening on a daily basis and when we're talking about the old records since 1994 6.4 trillion metric tons have been lost and the thing about all this is that it's not always been the case so It's only in modern times, since 1990, that they've been recording an annual loss of ice. Because with the ice shields, we have to understand that they have a fluctuation, a yearly fluctuation. They advance, as in winter there is a massive amount of snowfall, but in the summer they retreat. But the net outcome of this advancing and retreating has only been adding up to an actual loss since the 1990s. Hmm. And uh, since 1994, 6.4 trillion metric tons have been lost. And that is just mind-blowing. That means that we are losing the ice uh, shield. And this is why a new report has been issued. I don't know if you remember that two years ago, in 2019, there was a report... We'd um a lot of scientists i I think it was close to twelve thousand scientists who published a report uh with their signatures in the journal bioscience warning the world that what we're facing in the future is going to be very painful, like excruciating for the whole of humanity. And uh well. Not much has happened since. So they are now at the number of 14,000 scientists. And uh, there are all close to 2,000 jurisdictions in 34 countries who also joined this initiative of warning the planet, warning people that uh, we need to take this seriously. And, uh, well, I don't know how much this will achieve but what they are referring to is what they call uh, planetary vital science and obviously we can romanticize it to the Gaia um, theory about how the world the planet is basically a living organism but it's not how we need to think of it but we need to think of the different aspects of uh, how we live our lives on the planet uh, the food resources the air that we breathe in the economic situation that we need to face the energy use that we have an increasing demand for energy uh, so we we have to be very thoughtful about how we try to provide all that energy and the melting ice which means that in some places there is an actual shortage of uh, freshwater supply just the other day we've heard a p- couple of places for, on earth where there have been restrictions in in the last couple of years regarding freshwater use for like irrigation or all that now there were a couple of days here in my country where some cities had to apply restrictions mm. on freshwater use mm. so and we consider ourselves very rich in freshwater
1: here in the Carpathian Basin. Yeah. It has happened uh, here as well, in the in the south of Sweden. Not this year, but a couple of years ago. It's not infrequent, actually, that they say, no, yeah. no watering the lawn for this month because uh, that's unnecessary. <laughs> and we had one year, I think it was two years ago, our lawn basically died it was a desert and uh, we just had to let that happen because you weren't allowed to water yeah I think it was two years ago when I was up in Scotland Mm -hmm.
0: and I saw yellow grass Mm. Yeah. which is not a very common scene. Oh, what
1: do you expect? Yeah.
2: yeah, I think I remember coming back from Australia to Germany a few years ago and the grass looked like it was from Australia in my parents' mm. yard. I was just like, it's brown, yellow, and it, I don't know grass that's not green.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A science Alert. They wrote an article, I think it was um, a guest publication from AFP, mentioning how many different words and expressions we have to use because of the climate crisis. Because there are things like fire mm, Yes. That are getting more common. Dry thunderstorms, urban heat islands are th- <laughs> among the things. Savannification that's happening all over the world. And flight shaming, which I will be exposed to a lot of, I think, yeah. if I don't have a career change anytime soon. And it's pretty understandable. So, yeah, we need to live with things that we have to have words for.
2: Yeah, but it's like new times, new words, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And also, like,
2: I I recently read an article where they said the climate crisis will also show who's privileged and who's not because privileged people can move away from unlivable areas Mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. Now to something completely different. Facebook got faulted at a German court because of how they were handling hate speech. And if you think that was because they are too lenient uh, and only remove t- roughly 11% of, of the of the things that I talked about before, no, that wasn't the case. They got uh, faulted because they were handling hate speech too strictly. They said Facebook shouldn't delete posts without at least informing the users. And give them note before suspending their accounts. They said Facebook is not entitled to delete posts. And they said that the violation of community standards and violation uh, or using hate speech is not defined precisely enough. That's something I can agree with. Because hate speech and violation of community standards, this is not really a legal term. And you can, a skeptical friend of us, he said something like... Uh, he made a joke with Düsseldorf and Doesel because Doesel means like you donkey, and you can you can like make a pun out of that if you spell it a bit differently. He got banned for that from Facebook. They said it's hate speech
1: against Düsseldorf, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. against donkeys. <laughs> have your pick. Notes, yeah. <laughs> or both?
2: Or both, yeah. <laughs> so that's where you're like, well, you're not banning definite anti-Semitic stuff, but you're banning. When someone's saying you're Yudoki, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, the court says it's okay that Facebook deletes posts and suspends accounts, but they should give them notice. So they should give them notice and a possibility to respond, which is, I can accept that. That's only fair, you know, but I'm also like, well, Facebook is not a legal space. That's the thing. That's like well, everybody's worried about social media because facebook is a company
1: <laughs> right mm-hmm. i don't see how that is breaking the law uh, if, you, if you allow certain speech that is prohibited and there are there is of course yeah. that kind of speech then that's fine because then you're breaking the law yeah but if you're retracting something because your rules are a bit dodgy i mean okay then if you want to make fun of Düsseldorf, then you have to go to another <laughs> platform. I don't see why that is a legal problem.
2: Yeah, and but I like I agree with them of saying, hey, it's a bit it's probably fair to be like this is violating our standards. Could you please rephrase that or remove it? Um and if you don't then you're then it's either deleted or you're suspended. I, I think that would be fair. But it's also like, hmm, yeah, why does a German court have to do that?
1: (laughs) Mm. Exactly. I mean, I can agree. Maybe it is fair, but there's nothing in the law that says you have to be fair in that respect. Mm -hmm. You have to follow the laws, but, you know, being unfair to a certain extent is not a criminal offense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing is that as long as you adhere to your own rules, I mean,
0: your end user license agreement or something, Mm. you can do whatever you want. I mean obviously you need to do everything within the the framework of the law of the land but uh, other than that you don't have to be fair you don't have to because it's not something you have to subscribe to this kind of service so you decide whether you you agree with the, the, the terms or not and whether you read the terms or not that's up to you but they can refer back to you to that.
1: But I, I think I just had a thought here and maybe that's what they're getting at. If you have a contract mm. between you and your users and you're not fulfilling your obligations yeah. as according to the contract, then I understand maybe that this mm-hmm. could be a legal case. Yeah, yeah,
0: but in the terms and conditions of Facebook... They do specifically state that they can do what they want. They can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if they deem uh. your actions are against their rules, then they can suspend you anytime. Yeah, yeah. from using their the, their services. And what can you do about that? Nothing. <laughs> it's a private service. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but there are other things that uh, are not necessarily based on private services, but the use of um, uh, agricultural subsidies, for example. So agriculture should be based on science, right? I think so. So there are a lot of things that science has to say about agriculture and how plants are grown the best and how to keep agriculture sustainable and how to keep that in line with the European Green Deal and all that stuff now recently a weird thing happened it didn't start now the first time they published something about this was back in 2009 but some people don't know how to spend their time to make sense and they team up with uh, people spreading nonsense like homeopathy and put it in a good use or at least they think so are in agriculture (laughs) so what am i talking about People from uh, the School of Integrated Medicine of Palermo and the Department of Agricultural and Food Sciences at the University of Bologna, they teamed up and wrote an article in the journal OBM Integrative and Complementary Medicine uh, with the title Systemic, Agro-homeopathy, a new approach to agriculture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you read through, even in the abstract, they start out by bullshitting your head off, basically, with uh, how uh, homeopathy should be applied to tackling uh, plant diseases and how to keep agriculture sustainable. <laughs> but then, when they go into the details of how homeopathy can- could be applied to agriculture and how the fact that and mind you they refer to it as the fact that homeopathy works in human medicine and medicine in general well we do know that it doesn't but uh, they claim it does and uh, how that fact according to them uh, shows the need for an application in uh, plant medicine so the same approach to plants how you treat diseases and how you try to avoid them and how you want to protect your uh, produce and everything no i'm not going to go into that all that detail you'll find the link among the show notes and uh yeah just spend half an hour with it and you will be absolutely amazed and probably amused or annoyed uh, I went through all three stages, and um, I do recommend it. Uh, it's a good read. Thanks very much to Ed Zederns for the catch. It's really good. I mean, when it comes to nonsense, it's the non plus ultra.
1: All right. Uh, so a little bit of a serious topic now and a little bit of a trigger warning, because the next news is about assisted death and assisted suicide. So if you don't want to hear about that, maybe you should skip forward a bit. We have, and perhaps especially I have, talked positively on the show about assisted death in the past. Mm-hmm. For many people, it may be unthinkable to to help somebody else to die. And I, I, I respect that if you feel that way. But ethically, I feel it should be a no-brainer. If somebody really wants to take that decision and to take the decision to die, who am I to deny them that if, if there's a good justification for it? Of course, in practice it can be difficult to define good rules around it, so how do you really make sure that the person in question is of sound enough mind to make that decision, etc. But those are practical questions that I think can be overcome. Anyway, Spain recently approved a law, and as of 25th of June, it is permissible to do active euthanasia in Spain. And on the 23rd of July, an 86 year old Basque woman was the first person in Spain to pass away from assisted death. In her case, it was very well documented all the way back from 2011 that this was her wish. And at the time then she was in full mental health. Uh, But when the time now came, she had been ill for a long time. She was no longer conscious and she had been bedridden for many years she was uh, deemed to fulfill all the legal requirements and she died surrounded by her loved ones and it was described by her family as clearly the right thing to do and the right thing that to happen and the trend is that countries slowly are beginning to see this more as a personal choice rather than as an illegal act mm. from before in europe so called passive euthanasia is legal in the majority of the uh, of the eu countries Active euthanasia is allowed in Belgium, Luxembourg, and in the Netherlands. Switzerland, which we hear a lot about, uh, and this, of course, is not a part of EU, but it distinguishes uh, between active euthanasia and assisted suicide, which is two different things according to their rules, which means that it's legal to supply a person with lethal drugs if the patient really wants that and if you fulfill certain criteria but it's not permissible to actually assist actively perform anything that kills somebody so that that's where we stand and i think it's interesting to see that there is this trend it's not going very very fast but i think it is true that we do in some respects treat our own pets better than our own elderly people because we you can put a dog to sleep when you've realized that this individual this dog is not enjoying life anymore it's just a long pain and it will never get better and we can't do the same with people around us people we love and even if they tell us this is what they want you to do you can't do it yeah so uh, i think the debate needs to happen and i think we need to move forward perhaps they did now in spain well, it's quite a heavy subject to finish the, the new segment on, but Sorry about that.
0: I, let's see what you have to offer in terms of uh,
1: really wrong or really right. All right, so this is also something that actually came from our listener Bob in Spain. Back to Spain, but this is not about Spain. This is about the UK. But it came from Bob, so thank you very much, Bob. Keep them coming. Uh, your tips. So, in the UK, the pharmaceutical company Advance back in 2007 developed something they called a quote price optimization strategy, mm-hmm. end quote. And what is that? What they did was they identified genericized drugs with limited or no competition and with high barriers to entry. So, what they did, they acquired those drugs, they debranded them which meant they can remove them from the price regulations because those price regulations only applies to branded drugs. And by doing so, they were then free to set whatever prices they wanted. So no regulation and no competition, and that made they can start making a fortune. One of the drugs that they applied this strategy to is a tablet used to treat thyroid hormone deficiency. Now, the CMA in the UK, that's the Competition and Markets Authority, has found that they have increased the cost of this drug by 6,000% <laughs> since 2007. Wow. And this is really a disaster for patients because, as the chief executive of the CMA puts it, quote, "Advance decision to ratchet up the price of lethothyrin tablets and impose excessive and unfair prices for over eight years came as a huge cost for the NHS and ultimately to UK taxpayers. But that wasn't all. It also meant that people dealing with depression and extreme fatigue as a result of their thyroid conditions were told they could not continue to receive the most effective treatment for them due to its increased price, end quote. So you take a drug, there's no chance of any competition, you debrand it, and then you can, according to the rules, you can just set your own price, yeah. and uh, then a, a, a pill that is maybe... 1 pound per pill and then suddenly it's 600 pounds per pill and you make a fortune. So, the good news is that the CMA has now fined Advance and its associate companies over 100 million pounds to compensate uh, the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> good for <laughs> yeah. good well, for them. That's quite a sum. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's wow. a lot of money. And as an aside also that it's this is not the only investigation ongoing by the CMA. So, we may see similar fines to other companies in the future, so that, that that's positive. We are uh, as skeptics often accused of being shields for big pharma, but um, we do not hesitate to call out the pharmaceutical industry when they behave dishonest and or in manipulative ways. So therefore, for being immoral, blood-sucking scumbags and exploiting <laughs> the healthcare system, the pharmaceutical company Advance and its associates get this week's prize for being really wrong.
2: (laughs) Well-deserved.
1: Indeed. And the CMA, who is now investigating not only this, but also similar cases, they get today's prize for being really right. Mm.
2: Also (laughs) well-deserved.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and a well-balanced segment. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Very good. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And thanks to the CMA as well for this uh, catch. Nice one. And wow, what a big fine. That's always good to hear when people are scamming others.
1: Yeah, but it's important because otherwise, if the the fine is lower than the profit they make, it just becomes you know cost of doing business and okay we'll be fine but it's yeah we, we will pay the fine and we'll just continue but it should really hurt so they don't do it again yeah, yeah otherwise it's just calculated in the profit yeah yeah so
0: well yeah so uh that brings us to the end of the show but before we go as usual we need a quote and i brought a quote from Gertie corey an austria-hungarian american biochemist And the third ever woman to receive a Nobel Prize in science. So the quote is, The love for and dedication to my work seems to me the basis for happiness. As a research worker, the unforgettable moments of my life are those rare ones when the veil over nature's secrets seems suddenly to lift and when what was dark and chaotic appears in a clear and beautiful light and pattern.
2: Oh, nice.
0: Ooh, mm. very poetic, very poetic. It is poetic and it's uh, very romantic. I think it's love for science that comes through. It's love for science. This, it makes me want to be a researcher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like how she referred to being a scientist as a research worker. Yeah. And this is what most people are currently. So we we don't live in an age of individual scientists making big breakthroughs anymore it's a team effort there are teams working on on things and that is something that has to be understood by people and it started sometime really around the beginning of the 20th century and uh, I think uh, Gertie Corey was among the ones who experienced that firsthand yeah so (laughs) yeah all right that really concludes our show and uh, on that occasion I'd like to thank both of you Annika and Pontus for joining me today
2: Thank you. <laughs>
0: thanks a lot. Many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hejdå. really exist. You this has been your ESP experience. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe.
2: Yeah, and... um I can't really think of a segue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't be able to either. And now to something completely different.
2: <laughs> yeah, and now to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's my segue.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the microphone is much more interesting than the picture of Andras and me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there the mic went. <laughs> hey, and it's easier to bring it's a down. Re- it's a wrestling match now. <laughs> uh, it is um, it is Annika on the one side, it is uh, Luna on one side, and in the middle is the microphone and the microphone <laughs> <It's>... just lost.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs>
1: Send in the referee. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. Referee Scotty. <laughs> should, should I just do the whole item again? Yes, please. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> because a German court faults Facebooks uh, for handling how they. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Again.
1: <laughs> you. Oh,
0: that's gonna be a long episode.
1: Wislat. Oh. Wislat. <laughs> Wislat. <laughs> <laughs> the second second week in a row I had to remind you okay. let
0: <laughs> the desperation <laughs> yeah.